Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Part 1. Futoshi and Junko. How it all began. Welcome listeners to your Japanese true crime case. Your criminal this episode is Japanese serial killer Futoshi Matsunaga and his accomplice Junko Ogata. Before I start, I'm not going to exemplify Futoshi just yet. I want to take the time to respectfully identify those people that he took from this world. And I want to put them above all else in front of the killer. The seven people that died by Futoshi and Junko's cowardly actions. Kumio Taraya, Takashigi Ogata, Shizumi Ogata, Rieko Ogata, Kazuya Ogata, Yuki Ogata, and Aya Ogata. And lastly, I want to include Junko Ogata as a person he emotionally murdered. Because really, Junko died when she met Futoshi. Whomever she was before was eroded away with physical and mental torture to create the creature that enacted the worst crimes Japan had uncovered during the 80s. This true crime story is really a mixture of cult madness, deep psychosis and manipulation, and the power of coercion over people's lives from a manipulative monster. Disclaimer, this episode will contain references and discussion of rape, suicide, murder, and abuse. Please listen with caution. Before I jump in, I want to address that the information and facts used in this episode were cross-referenced and checked to eliminate as much inconsistencies as possible. And as usual, I dig deep when it comes to possible reasons as to the serial killer becoming what they become. And with multiple accounts taking notes of relationships, murders, and key dates, some of which are not only wrong but suspiciously wrong, I did my best to bring you a cohesive narrative for you to follow. In saying this, the way I'm going to break down this case is as follows. We're going to learn about who Futoshi Matsunaga and Junko Ogata are, and how it all began. Some psychological terms that could explain Futoshi's behavior, torture techniques Futoshi used, and why they were so effective. The shift from money to murder, who they killed and how, the eventual capture of Futoshi and Junko, and lastly, the Japanese justice system. There may be more of course and it may evolve, but over the course of this series on Futoshi and Junko, I'll do all I can to be as thorough and as detailed as possible. So, let's begin. Futoshi Matsunaga was a manipulator, womanizer, abuser, narcissist, cult leader, and murderer all rolled into one. And this monster did not start off as a born criminal. In fact, his background is actually different to what I'd expected when I first started researching his early life. I looked for the normal cues of animal abuse, physical or family abuse, head trauma, and bedwetting, but this was not the case either. So I was intrigued and on the hunt for details about his early life. Futoshi was born in Kitakushu, Yanagawa City, April 28, 1961, to a small yet wealthy merchant family. Kitakushu is the northernmost city of Japan's Kyushu Island, 
known for its spring cherry blossoms, amazing scenery, and multiple festivals throughout the year. But I digress. As a child, his behavior wasn't erratic in any way. In fact, the polar opposite. His family, friends, and teachers would comment that as a child, Fuzoshi was obedient to everyone, gentle, always eager to help, and that he was extremely studious. Of all things though, gentle. His teachers in particular called upon Futoshi's book smarts as notable and remarkable for a student his age. So at this point as a child, Futoshi is smart, gentle and intelligent and positively remembered by his teachers. Remember these traits, listeners, it's important as to how much Futoshi's personality shifts later on. As Futoshi grew older, he developed a certain charisma, a way with his words, and his classmates, particularly young girls, would be drawn to him. The combination of being smart, gentle, and witty would allow him to practice and hone his skills in talking to the opposite sex early on in Futoshi's life, learning what they found interesting, what was important to them at that age, and how to slip into their good books quickly. However, as he moved from early childhood into adolescence, his attitude would change, but only beneath the surface. A sort of quicksand personality, where on the surface it appears safe and secure. But should you get to know Futoshi more, you'd realize that beneath the surface was an angry, manipulative, and cruel young man who sought for your weaknesses in order to exploit. And just as quickly as I escalated that sentence into seriousness is how many expressed dealing with Futoshi was like. Zero to a hundred in the drop of a hat. Now, during my research, I came across a little fact about Futoshi that was missed out of all of my sources but one. And as this case was heavily muted by the Japanese media during the 1980s, this information was sparsely communicated and the information missed. It was that Futoshi was diagnosed early on with DAD, Disinhibited Attachment Disorder. I'll read the actual scientific diagnosis and do my interpretation of it as well. A particular pattern of abnormal social functioning that arises during the first five years of life and that tends to persist despite marked changes in environmental circumstances. For example, diffuse, non-selective focused attachment behavior attention-seeking and indiscriminately friendly behavior, poorly modulated peer interactions, depending on circumstances, there may also be associated emotional or behavioral disturbance. This would lead to a child his age, exhibiting these traits, not having a discriminated preferred attachment figure, not checking back after venturing away from the caregiver, lack of reticence with unfamiliar adults, and lack of care regarding age differences, and a willingness to go off with relative strangers. Now at face value, this doesn't seem too detrimental, but at least to me, what this screams is an inherent recklessness in his emotional IQ that he would carry with him all his life. And with these traits so early on in his life, the combination of intelligence and a reckless attitude would permeate every aspect of Futoshi's growth into an adult, as well as both during and after adolescence. So, let me flip this interpretation on its head a little. If a child doesn't recognize safe places, so a safe space, 
doesn't care for the need of an adult, so is relatively fearless, and doesn't recognize authority, and is willing to go off with relative strangers, so careless or carefree, then would Futoshi have the capability to care, perhaps a level of apathy, if he carried out abusive acts on the people he knew and didn't know? Would he actually feel anything towards them? I just wanted to pose that question to you, and have that in the back of your mind as we move further into this case. Was his detachment so that it facilitated his behavior into becoming a murderer? Park the idea for now. Maybe we can answer some of that as we dig deeper. Within the town and those he knew, he was considered strange, holding relationships with young children and teenagers, despite being in his late teens at the time. It came to a head though when strange moved into disturbing, as Futoshi began sexual relationships with several of his younger classmates, and not only just that, but living with one of the girls and their family as well. As in turning up at the girl's house, going into her room and literally living with her. This complete lack of boundaries and his lack of acknowledgement regarding social norms would have really thrown the Japanese family on both sides into disarray, with him totally ignorant of what's going on. To his own family, he could have been the same old Futoshi acting up and causing trouble, whilst to the girl's family, a crude delinquent disrupting the household. And for those who know a little about Japanese family life culture, although this was a massive faux pas, in 80s Japan, it would be unlikely they would do anything about it. Perhaps they were scared of him once they found out his true nature. At this point though, his family took note of his behavior getting out of control, and punished Futoshi by moving him into a boarding school for boys. This shift in lifestyle would normally stop or could hinder the path of a teenager with this kind of attitude, serving as a lesson for personal growth. But his DAD would have acted as a potential blocker to any learnings garnered by this shift in lifestyle. The reason I'm hammering on about Futoshi's DAD is that the media never reports it, and although it doesn't absolve Futoshi of his actions, provides a potential origin point of where these actions could have originated from. I treat this sort of research pieces on true crime as a learning exercise as well, and I feel that the learning in this space is really in the early childhood intervention area, which could really have shifted the angle of Futoshi's life and the path that could have been taken. Of course, it's not the only reason or governing factor, but it could have been one of them. So now for a quick recap. We have a child from a sound family who was diagnosed with DAD. No obvious issues beyond his on-the-surface personality, which was eager to talk, intelligent and gentle. No red flags there, right? Issues arise due to DAD regarding his interaction with younger female classmates and his disregard for social norms, and that he was moved to a different school as punishment, with all learnings being completely muted by his DAD. The consequence is that he's doing his best to find out how to interact with others to get what he wants, without necessarily knowing or caring how he does it. I can only think his DAD and the inability to reflect and change based on those social cues led to him favoring aggressive choices over passive ones. This is of course just my opinion. The disorder itself was the time bomb for his life that without significant help would go off. In 1980, that was the first landmine where his aggressive and silent predator behavior began to escalate, 
and also when his manipulative behavior would lend itself to crime. Futoshi would marry a woman after graduating at the age of 19, and would have one son from that marriage, to only divorce her some time later. At 19, Futoshi was already a womanizer, and whilst married, had up to 10 women as mistresses, one of which would be Junko Ogata, his future criminal accomplice, which I'll definitely talk about shortly. During this time though, it was evident to his wife that he had a multitude of mistresses, and as time went on, Futoshi became more and more verbally abusive. The exact reason though was relatively unknown. Some key reports though hint at his frustration at not having enough money and his limited family lifestyle. From that, his verbal abuse turned into physical abuse, and his ex-wife cited that the trauma of living with Futoshi as being the sole factor for the divorce taking place. Shortly after, Futoshi meets Junko Ogata in 1982, the relationship that would bring on a series of hellish events. Junko was born on February 25th, 1962, a kindergarten teacher at the time, who knew Futoshi from school as a classmate. Futoshi reconnected with her over a simple phone call, commenting on her graduation message that she left in the school archives. You know those graduation comments like, in 10 years I'll be the head of a successful business. Those one-line graduate messages that students leave in the school books on their last day of school. Futoshi brought up how he really liked that comment that she left, which served as an in to which he slowly built more and more of a relationship with Junko from. In 1985, Futoshi would move in with Junko, and her role in the murders would soon follow. There is a lot in this space to unpack regarding Futoshi's relationship with Junko, and specifically her family, so I'll get to those details in later episodes. It is interesting and critical of course, but we can park that just for now as it can get messy if I don't keep the narrative on track. Now alongside his personal life, Futoshi was running his father's business, to which he would remodel completely, changing their product line to futons, which was really a front to manipulate others into giving him their money, stealing predominantly from those that he dealt business with. They don't detail exactly how Futoshi did this, other than a level of fraud. I'm going to guess though that likely it was identity theft. Due to the nature of how Futoshi's manipulative personality works, earning strangers and friends trust to only then abuse it. It is at this point though, when we can really see Futoshi's touch on reality beginning to slip, as well as him doubling down on deeply manipulating those around him. And it is abrupt and creepy. Not to mention, there are so many red flags here that lend itself towards an escalating level of abuse, that had people been aware of his personal and business activities, would have reported him to the police early on. Futoshi was great at keeping his secrets and acting as a smooth operator in front of his friends and family that he was stealing from. For me, my two observations in this case was Futoshi's complete lack of responsibility and ownership, as well as an almost aggressive or overriding carefree attitude that seemed to keep growing over time. Using smooth talking to lure people in, identify what he could draw out of them, blackmail them, and consistently steal money over time. And as time went on, he would use those funds to pay for buildings and rental space, exploiting the money and loan system that was in place at the time. Futoshi knew a lot about people and a lot of people. 
There have been comments in the reports I've read that he would often bring his friends to bars, get them drunk, and ask them to divulge their deepest and darkest secrets, for him to use later on as leverage and control over their finances and entire life. All in all, Futoshi was able to manipulate so much out of his friends and colleagues, which saw him 180 million yen richer by the end of it all, which is equivalent to stealing $1,680,499,000. My goodness. A significant amount of money for sure. So now Futoshi has illegally owned assets and plenty of money, and then decided that the mean streak in him should be fed instead of starved. This is when Futoshi's path down Insanity Road truly began. The previous problems were just that. Serious problems, sure. But if caught early and controlled early, would have changed the direction of this man's life and many others as a result. But instead, his early manipulative behaviors would give him the ability to smooth talk others out of their money and facilitate his shift into deeper abuse, eventual torture, and complete insanity. His first steps into this space of torture was to start a new real estate business, which he called The World, a title of which doesn't warrant much of an explanation as to why it was called what it was. He would steal 200 million yen from customers during this time. Unsatisfied and seeking more control over his employees, Futoshi then proceeded to install soundproof walls on the third floor with electrical conduits that would electrocute those that would work there. He would send people he hated or found incompetent up to the third floor to be, essentially, electrocuted constantly. And should they protest, were beaten and tortured further with electric shocks. His workers would comment later, saying that Futoshi would scream, there is a spirit behind you sucking away your fortune, making references to samsara belief structures, or rather the cycle of birth and death. Perhaps early signs that Fatoshi would move into the cult sphere also. The use of electrocution was the start of Fatoshi's fixation on using electricity as a means of controlling people to do his bidding. Throughout this case, you'll see Fatoshi's focus on using this as a tool of torture and the means to break down the will of those around him. His favorite tool above all else, and depending on the voltage, would leave permanent damage on the minds of those he's tortured. In later episodes, we'll see the impact that this torture had, and how it was used to manipulate others. Now, I know what you're thinking. I would have gone to the police. I can't believe people would just sit there and take it. Mates, when you're working in the environment that you're in, under a man who holds all the power, who you feel might have enough money to sway the opinion of those you seek help from, you are so scared, so fearful that you'd rather not seek help in case that help is a wolf in sheep's skin. And once he knows you're onto him, who's to say what he's going to do next? At this point, however, in 1992, his debts were catching up on him. Futoshi was being hounded for fraud, chased by the police for all the money he's stolen and on the run with Junko. And whilst on the run, the fever pitch of what Futoshi was perceived to be capable of doing really hit its highest point. It was on the run that Futoshi and Junko would commit their most disgusting acts of abuse, violence, and murder. And this is where we'll stop for now.
I hope you enjoyed part one of Futoshi Matsunaga, you lovely listeners. These research pieces are often intricate, and this one is no exception. The amount of contradicting content about Futoshi had me double and triple checking what I was finding, not to mention relying on translator reports that were in originally different languages to support this information. I love a good challenge though, and creating a narrative that you lovelies could follow was my prerogative. Let me know, mates, if you have any feedback on this episode, and particularly if you locate any information that is contradictory to what I've said. I actually enjoy being informed of the right data, and due to these cases being quite detailed in some areas and weak in others, it's those weak data points that I love being corrected on. Feel free to email me at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com if you come across anything at all. Now, in part two, we're going to learn more about Junko, the crimes committed, and a deeper dive into what makes this case so harrowing. Stick with me Wednesday, mates, for when I cover that content. I'll also be putting all my research materials in the episode notes, so you can read up on what I've researched as well. Mates, have a lovely weekend, and as always, till next we meet.